Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. And we'd like to welcome you again today to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. We are working our way through Mitch Stokes' books, How to Be an Atheist. And we've come to chapter 15, where he asks the question, can science determine human values? Can we get values from science is what he wants us to, to right. consider today, right? Yeah, it, it didn't work well for Hume, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're taking a look at uh, Sam Harris's view. Uh, we looked at well-being uh, for the last two ones, kind of covered that. Now we're kind of going to dismantle it. Yeah, in this yeah, one. good. Well, we meaning him, him and then right. us taking credit for it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he starts off this chapter with uh, what he calls the is-ought distinction. Now, this is kind of a famous deal in uh, in ethics and mm-hmm. philosophy because uh, – and David Hume is, is, is one of the ones who uh, who uh, talks about this a lot in his in his writing. So we'll – our good friend Hume, we're going we're gonna to have a uh, never, go at him here. Never get away from that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's a question. He says inherits uh, – uh, he says uh, there's another way to think about what atheists are doing. They're attempting to bridge the gap between faith – I'm sorry, fact and value, Mm -hmm. right? Fact and value. In other words, can we get value from fact, right? right? So, so for instance, the grass is green as a fact. Well, what ought we or should we do about that, right? That's the the kind of issue, right? The the rock rolls down the hill. Should the rock have rolled onto me at the bottom of the hill? So he says in Harris' specific case, he's trying to move from descriptive physical facts about the well-being of sentient creatures to value judgments about such facts. And he believes that there's this uh, really good reasons uh, for thinking that this bridge not only can't be... uh, reached right or, mm-hmm. but it's impossible to to re- to um for this gap to be uh you know closed and so that's what he wants to talk about today he wants to consider uh harris's view and harris's attempt to bridge the is ought gap sometimes this is called the uh, fact value problem the is ought problem things like that mm-hmm. right how do you get from an from an ought i mean from an is to an ought right? yeah that's the idea here. uh i was i was trying to think of of ways to relate this and, and it's probably not the best way because I don't think too many people have seen a movie, this movie but there's a movie called Pi P-I mm. uh, based on the number and it's about a, a mathematician trying to find a pattern within Pi that then uh, unlocks kind of the secrets in the universe so uh, uh, able to predict the stock market uh, able to um, determine um, how people act so trying to find that scientific claim or, or that scientific value that will then uh, provide you the determination that people will make choices about. And so if, uh, he unlocks this kind of super uh, uh, mathematical scheme within Pi and is able to kind of become superhuman in his mindset and then unlocks. I mean, it, it's really a really interesting uh, movie. It's from the same guy that does uh, Requiem for, for a Dream. So, again, trippy movies uh, this this guy does. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you want something that's, again, science fiction, um, here we're going to see if it's uh, more fiction than, than yeah, science. Yeah, yeah. So Harris's attempt might be more fiction than science here, right? He at least tries. Like, he yeah. understands that, that there is a need for... All right, morality. How do we deal with it? And you know, he's gonna put himself, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
at the tip of the sword against Hume, which yeah. uh, is a, a scary thing to do for, yeah. for uh, philosophers. <laughs> so let's look at what Hume had to say. Now, Hume actually called this is-ought um, issue a fallacy. Because mm-hmm. he argued that you can't, you can't do this, right? Hume applied science to ethics. We found only uh, when he did that, we found two things, right? For one thing, he found that facts about the physical world. So the first thing when when uh, Hume says uh, he applies science to ethics that we can find facts, right? He found facts about the physical world, um, and then Hume also found sentiments or feelings <laughs> toward these facts, right? right? So you know here is you know here is a person killing somebody, right? That's the fact, mm-hmm. and Hume says, okay, as an empiricist, as a person who just looks at uh, you know my my uh, perceptions and my sense perceptions and that sort of thing. That's all I have to go on. What do I see when the person kills somebody? Mm-hmm. Well, I see somebody killing somebody. Right. I don't see murder. I don't see wrong. Right. Right. So m- murder, not in the sense of a, a legal description, right? It's, 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 um, it's has a, a connotation that there is a, ethical claim behind that. So murder is the unjust killing of somebody. Well, okay, you have a spy, he takes out another spy. Was it murder? Well, you know, it depends on which government says it's, you know, murder or not, and what laws are in place. Exactly. But there seems to be distinctions made within general society of, of, well, no, spies do murder each other and there are things like assassinations. You just, you just don't, you don't call, you know, the, the uh, taking out of a head of a state, you know, a political ploy. Yeah. It, it's, it seems to be more than that. So, so what Hume wants to say is we, we make this observation of the fact mm-hmm. we don't see any good, bad, or what evil, oh, yeah. what, that sort of thing. Right. We just don't see it. And so what we do is we kind of feel Feel it. That's what Hume says, right? Mm-hmm. He says, uh, Hume found that sentiments or feelings toward these facts is what we do, right? Yeah. Uh, for example, they are repulsive and wrong. But again, feelings, you know, uh, as Mitch Stokes says here, are paltry things to base something as important as, you know, morality on. So Hume says, we never observe that murder is wrong. We only feel that it is. So that's that's the Hume's analysis with regard to... to uh, to ethics, right? We can't make these observations. We do make these observations, but we never observe wrong. That comes from our feeling. Mm-hmm. And so Hume is suggesting then that it's a not a good, valid, logical move to, to move from a fact to a value when all we have is a feeling. Right. right? Yeah. You watch Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and you're rooting for every time that he murders somebody you know that, that's your feeling but if you were to see that same type of situation play out in the real world maybe even from the actual Arnold Schwarzenegger you would have a completely different reaction and so you know it is is understanding that yes you can distinguish between a, a real murder and a, a murder on screen but you you don't it, there's no well you've just inputted the same input so why not have the same output between between scene, you know, uh, over the top death scene versus you know someone, you know, a chalk outline right there on the on the street in front of your house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Hume famously marveled. He says that philosophers' efforts, uh, <laughs> effortless leaps over the Izod gap, arts would arise from nowhere, out of nothing. Hume uh, argued, yeah. right, like magic. 
He says, I'm surprised, this is a quote from Hume, I'm surprised to find that instead of the usual compilations of prop, uh, propositions, is and is not, I meet with proposition uh, that is not connected with an ought or an ought not. So there was no sign of the source of the mysterious oughts, neither observations nor inferences. And this is because Hume said, oughts cannot appear from physical facts or by way of inference from those facts. So morality cannot be grounded in sense perception or reason, no matter how tempting it is, right? All Hume said is all we have is, I don't like it, I don't feel good about that, right? This came to be known as emotivism in, <laughs> in ethics, right? Well, and, and we saw in, in chapters way back that, uh, that uh, Hume doesn't want to engage in philosophy, but uh, all these oughts and ought-nots seems very philosophical to me. Yeah. Uh, right. So essentially what, what he's saying is that um, he'll he'll talk to people about you know um, um, these these actions that come about and people want to ground their their as we covered before their really strong feelings on you know murder is wrong rape is wrong all these all these things that we have this intense feeling for and so what what they're saying is um, uh, you know uh, here here you have an action and you you just ought not to do it because it violates somebody's you know. Uh, uh, personal space, whatever it might be. But he's saying there's no preceding argumentation for Mm, that. So So we have a fact, and he's suggesting we can't go from a fact to a value. We can't go from the fact that this person is murdered or killed Mm -hmm. to that was wrong. That's what Hume is saying. Right. That, that doesn't work. That's not a logical move. Right. That, that, that's we, never, we don't observe wrong. Right. That's we just grounded in a fact. scientific reality of, you know, you check off these boxes under the microscope and you've measured the wrongness of, of it. You have this feeling like, oh, I feel it's wrong, but aren't, aren't, aren't we just getting then into personal preferences yeah. again? Yeah. yeah. So now he wants to cover Harris's because Harris wants to challenge right, this. Right, right, yeah. So Harris, you know, he, he's he's standing against what like uh, two hundred years of of, <laughs> yeah. of, Hume of, of, in, uh, of Hume and yeah. of of uh, those people that came about and wiped philosophy and theology off the off the map. So I remember Hume's. Uh, I remember Hume's the, the date of his death, or at least the year of his death, because it's famous, seventeen seventy six. Oh, that might 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 <laughs> something else might have happened. Around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so uh, Harris is gonna he's gonna actually complain about uh, our hero um, uh, of Hume. So Sam Harris says that um, that he. He insists that notions that we ought to do or value can be justified only in terms of other oughts, never in terms of facts about the way the world is. After all, in a world of physics and chemistry, how could things like moral obligations or values really exist? How could it be objectively true, for instance, that we ought to be kind to children? So uh, Harris' complaint is that modern-day moral skeptics merely defer to Hume's authority. So, um, you know, uh, Hume said this, and he goes, well, why, why, are, we, why are we going based off Hume? So he's he's got a problem with Hume's, you know, uh, logic here. I guess you could say. Yeah, but he really doesn't. And and you know, I mean, <laughs> okay, so fine. Uh, you know, uh, you are deferring to Hume. That therefore you're wrong. Right. What kind of argument is yeah. that? Yeah, right? we defer to the Bible. Therefore, you're wrong. I mean, it, they wouldn't take that type of of argumentation. So uh, he's saying, you know, why should he? 
Uh, but unfortunately, uh, Sam Harris offers no argument against Hume. Yeah. He merely warns us that uh, opponents of the is ought gap are playing a dangerous game, mm. that uh, that objective, uh, abject failures of compassion are enabled by this intellectual tolerance of moral difference. Apparently, tolerance of moral difference is going too far. Why is that the case? Well, he doesn't really come yeah, up with he anything. Doesn't, he doesn't with, so, you know, so in order to have a good argument, you have to have a conclusion, right? And his conclusion is Hume is wrong or the is uh, gap or fallacy is wrong. Right. And then you have to have some reasons to believe that that conclusion is true. And he really doesn't give us good reasons yeah. here, right? He says you shouldn't appeal to authority. Okay, mm-hmm. fine, great, sure. Uh, but then also uh, uh, p- people who... who want to be grounded in what Hume was talking about are playing this dangerous game of of throwing out any uh, you know moral claims of you know why murder is wrong and that's exactly the point that yeah. we're trying to make here yeah, yeah. is that's so, that's the so, case yeah so he's yeah he's almost begging the question yeah. why is it wrong right. right why is Hume wrong is what what the question is right well because he's wrong I mean you know <laughs> yeah. yeah because you shouldn't appeal to, to his authority okay why not mm-hmm. right uh, Harris seems to say that we should disagree with Hume merely because an is ought gap would have uh, unwelcome consequences, namely uh-huh. that we can't get authoritative oughts from scientific facts. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So I don't like the consequences. Therefore, he's wrong. <laughs> right. I don't like the. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. wrong because I don't like the consequences. I right. Mean, you know. <laughs> right. It, it's 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 why the new atheists don't really have a good explanation for this this intense sense of of. Morality, because uh, to throw it all out, it would be consistent. But then, you know, you just have people uh, again ask the question. You know, it's not uh, why be good, why be bad. It's you know, why do anything at all? Um, it's just because you want to. It's it's what we covered a, a couple chapters back. Um, uh, Dostoevsky's, you know, we'll all be monsters. Well, not only will you not all be monsters, you. Aren't, can't really judge anything based on anything. Yeah, yeah. What would a monster be? If, if we, you know, if <laughs> right. it doesn't exist, there yeah. is no monster. Yeah. It's just people acting. Yeah. you know, out whatever. Yeah, right? is, is Frankenstein the monster? Or is he the hero? Fra- yeah. Is Frankenstein's monster the monster or the hero? Yeah. I should say. <laughs> it, it, you could ask Frankenstein as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Harris doesn't give an argument against Hume, neither has he given us reason to think that science could underwrite morality by deriving odds from physical facts about brain states or by well-being or by whatever other source that we're trying to derive them from. Yeah. Um, he he wants to measure this this uh, well-beingness, but uh, it seems like we have have a problem there. He, he almost does exactly what Hume says we do with regard to ethics. He doesn't like it, <laughs> right. right? He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't feel factor. good about it's, it, it's right? The ick and therefore, it's got to be mm-hmm. something wrong with it, right? Right. I don't like the consequences, so it has to be something wrong with yeah. it. Yeah. This uh, last section this is a rel- relatively uh, short chapter. It's right? because we're teeing off for probably a, another two part episode. That's really is going to be two, maybe yeah. three parts. Yeah, we're going to get an opportunity to see uh, Stokes. Uh, uh, examination of values yeah. and where he believes it comes mm-hmm. from, right? Yeah. So that'll be next next time. Mm-hmm. So make sure you uh, you know look at next time's episode because uh, uh, you'll get a chance to see where Stokes is coming from. So yeah. this last portion here, he says, "What ought we to value?" And he says, "Notice something: science can't tell us to value the well-being of sentient creatures in the mm-hmm. first place." 
we've come to science already valuing that, right? right? Even if science can tell us uh, which things will result of an increase in well-being, it can't tell us we ought to value well-being. This will increase in well-being. Okay, fine. But what does that tell us about what we ought to do, right? Right. Uh, Even our own. So he says, since information about the consequences of our action does not tell us, this is Peter Singer he's quoting here. Our friend Peter Singer wants to give uh, rights to animals and and put uh, monkeys on trials for killing (laughs) each other. Since information about the consequences of our action does not tell us which consequences to value, Singer tells us, but only which actions will or will not bring about the consequences we do value. Most ethical theories simply incorporate new information about the consequences of our actions into our ethical decisions. Mm -hmm. So again, Singer is agreeing here, right? Science cannot tell us what to value. Yeah. So so what he in general is saying is that uh, science can tell you all the parts of what the gun does, the the spring, the gunpowder, the what rifling. When the bullet hits you, yeah. <laughs> where yeah, the, it goes, how right. it ricochets through the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't tell you, should you pull the trigger? Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Right? Yeah. Science can't determine our antecedent values of well-being, much, much less anybody else's, right? <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Which, which was uh, Harris's entire point in the, in the last uh, uh, two parts that we did is he's trying to establish well-being because you can measure it. But, uh, you know, who cares about uh, establishing other well-being? I can't even establish my own <laughs> of, of what what. What should the values be? There's the other, you yeah, know, the, yeah, well, the should, what yeah, ought they that's, be? Yeah, yeah, right? So science alone <laughs> cannot uh, tell us that well-being is a moral property or that well-being is simply a matter of brain state. We saw that this depends largely on issues of worldviews, which would include our antecedent views about morality. In other words, our values come from, you know, from what we, how we view the world, our mm-hmm. worldview, right? Our, perce- our, uh, our presuppositions mm. about the world, our assumptions about the world, that sort of thing. That's where our values come from, Interesting. right? Interesting. Um, People are valuers. Persons are valuers. Um, he says, what then is the source of morality? And here's what I was just mentioning. Uh, as we'll argue in the next chapter, an important sense of the source of morality is us. We are the source of morality. Uh, or people or persons. We value morality. Right? What we value, morality, is up to us, not uh, uh, science. So what we value morally is dependent on us, is what he's suggesting here. Right? It's dependent on persons. Hmm. Persons value science, doesn't value. The physical empty space doesn't value. Persons value, right, is what he's trying to say. We choose, right, what we determine to value. We do not find our ethical premises in our biological nature or under cabbages. <laughs> so, again, he, what, what he's saying here is not... Uh, he probably wouldn't isn't going to make the case that um, uh, a person values something and therefore it's true. Right. It's trying to make the point that where do where do values come from? They come from uh, pe- people valuing things. Yeah. And yeah. and um, it, not to belabor the point here, but in the in the next uh, portion, he really covers it well. Yeah. Good. So it's possible for science, he tells us, to influence our moral actions by telling us that certain actions will result in certain consequences. Right. So science right. can tell us what the consequences yeah. can be. You know, uh, to a certain extent, and science might also tell tell against fundamental moral principles because suppose he says, I think that science shows that naturalism is true. A commitment to consistency or rationalism might force me to further conclude that there are no human 
independent moral standards, right? And uh, notice significantly, he says that the fact that we value rationality is itself not something that science can dictate, right? So again, we are valuers, and science is not, and it, it cannot tell us, right, what to value. It can tell us the consequences if we do something or if we value something and move toward it, but it can't say this is what you ought to do. That's not science. His job. Oftentimes, folks think you know science is the pillar of truth, right? right? Yeah. But science can only do, you know science is like a hammer, and you know it can only hit nails, mm -hmm. right? There are certain things that hammers can do, and you need other tools for other things. And so, valuing is not is not a nail for this word science, right? Right. right. It, yeah. It's it's something else. Yeah. Yeah. It, in 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 things like the Matrix, uh, you know. It, God bless that movie because I mean, if it wasn't for for the Matrix, we'd only be regulated to you know Hitler analogies. Um, <laughs> but but there there's a point in there where you know uh, Neil gets told you know you have all these people surrounding you and they're all plugged in the Matrix, they're all asleep, and you're the one that's awake. And if they get in your way, uh, unfortunately, you have to kill them because you're trying to set them free. Well. I mean, that's a huge ethical dilemma that the movie kind of just glances over. Like, yes, to preserve you, the the chosen one, okay, sure, but th that's how everyone operates who who's free. And so, w what they what they don't discuss is, um, you know, this understanding of well, it's not just that these are computer simulations or computer code. That's what the agents are for, but that individual people that don't take on this agent form are real people, and you're being told. You know, it's best just to take them out because they could be utilized by the programming or anything like that. And so there, there's a huge ethical dilemma in there where it's like, okay, ought I kill, you know, the, the security guard, the poor security guard who's always going to get killed <laughs> um, because he's trying to stop me from ending the matrix to save everybody else. Yeah. There, there's your, your utilitarian you argumentation yeah. too. Right. Right. And so... So, you know, it, all the computer code is there scientifically, but whether or not you should pull the trigger and take out that individual person that's in the pod next to you, um, you know, should you do that? Well, that's, that. I mean, where does that value come from? Um, Neil kind of just takes orders from at that point. But yeah. um, uh, it, it's an interesting question. I'm sure we could probably do... 16 episodes on the matrix as well <laughs> so he says uh next chapter he's going to finally argue for what uh, he thinks is uh the morality's foundation and he tells us he tips his hand here morality's <laughs> foundation is persons right that is uh moral value is nothing more than personal value since all value is personal and he says if i'm right about this then we'll have more reason to think that science could never determine human values, as well as even more reason to doubt Harris's account of morality. Mm -hmm. right? So that's what he's going to get to. He's going to argue that that's the source of values. The source of values is persons, not science. Science cannot get us there. So what we've seen here is there's this is-ought uh, is gap. Right? Hume called it a fallacy, trying mm -hmm. to move from what is the case than to tell us what we should do about it. Hume said we can't make that move. That's, mm -hmm. that's, a, fa that's a logical fallacy. And, uh, and then we saw that Harris attempts to do that, but he really doesn't give us a good argument for it. He just doesn't like what Hume says, mm -hmm. and he says it results in bad consequences, but okay, <laughs> fine. That's, sure. you know. and, um, and so then he ends here by saying that really we choose values. Value is, is uh, based on what 
persons choose. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to pursue that the the next chapter and and try to help us to work through that. And and I think, too, um, he'll he'll cover, and at least we'll cover, too, um, kind of the the, the question arises of postmodernism. Okay, if you have us as the valuers, what happens when two competing values uh, coincide, yeah, coincide yeah. with each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh well, you know that's just what's true for you is true for me. But you know, again, if I think one thing's murder and you think the other thing is, you know, picking daisies, uh, <laughs> you know, we're 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 coming into clash here, and and you know, one of so us is going to be able to yeah. survive. He's going to have to work us through that. Right? Yeah. That oh, relativism yeah. that comes as a result of you know. uh, that. That seems to be the case. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's a good chapter, so we'll we'll take our time with it because uh, it's one of the longer ones. But I think it's kind of his central point that he wants to that he is built up to this, and then also he's going to launch from um, making his case for you know why have uh, a, an objective lawgiver as, yeah. as as a necessary consequence. <laughs> so if you enjoy uh, our our channel and what we're doing here, and you're getting some things out of it, make sure you subscribe. Hit that subscri- uh, subscribe button; it helps us. Uh, with this channel. Also hit the likes and uh, the bell and um, uh, so that uh, we also release smaller clips of what we do here. Right. On the YouTube and, channel. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. on the YouTube channel. And so if you subscribe, you you will have access to, uh, to those that you'll, you'll know when those are coming out as well. So please do that. That'll help our channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>